Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. Psalm 138 verse 6 says, For though the Lord is high, He regards the lowly. But the haughty or the proud, He knows from afar. Last week we began a series on prayer. And just to kind of cap the last week's message, we talked about rather than seeing your life from your circumstances, is any situation that we find ourselves in is to go to the, to the source of the stream and to be able to see the current from the, from the source. And, and so in prayer, we are moving from seeing life from our perspective and seeing our life from God's perspective. And only there, from God's perspective, will we be able to see His all-sufficiency We'll be able to see what His will and His path for us is if we are standing in the current of the stream only focused on our surroundings and, the, and the, the waters that are raging against us here. We will begin to pray selfish prayers. And we will only be thinking about ourselves in the circumstance. And this is the opposite of what God is trying to do through prayer, which is to conform us to the image of His Son, Jesus. What we're looking for in prayer is a more comfortable, planned out, scheduled life. We're looking for ease and we're looking for better. But when we see it from God's perspective, we can see our identity in Jesus Christ and we can see everything that we need to be like Christ we already have. And so when we talk about prayer, we've really got to begin to understand the point of prayer, the motives of praying, and, uh, and so we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. I can't possibly get through all of that uh, in, in one week. But as, as a parent, I know that parents feel a little bit of pain when their children begin to outgrow their dependence. Even knowing that that growth is both normal and healthy. But with, with God, the rules change. Uh, you see, we will never outgrow our dependence. And to the extent that we think we do, we actually are deluding ourselves. Asking for help from our Father is actually the very root of prayer. A good definition of prayer would be, prayer is a declaration of dependence on God. And we will never ever outgrow that dependence. The question that we may be asked often or that I actually am asked often, is why must the church always appeal to my weaknesses and never to my strengths? In other words, you know, why are we always working on things? And discipleship is, there's a high cost to true discipleship. And that's what we're called to do, is to make disciples. And there is a cost associated with that. And so we focus on that cost, and we focus on the application of that. But here's another reason. In a world where success is glorified, An admission of weakness will disarm pride. And so where we see where we need work, where we are working on being more uh, like a disciple and, and focusing on discipleship, our weaknesses disarm our pride. And at the same time, those same weaknesses actually prepare us to receive His grace in those in that pride. Pride is the paramount problem with the human nature. 
almost every sin imaginable has at its source this level of independence, this level of I can do it myself, this level of not me, I'm better than that, or I can, or I, I, I. So when we're focused on our circumstances, or really, in essence, ourselves in our circumstance, we can't help but pray I, I, I prayers. I need, I want, I will. These prayers are paramount if we're focused on ourselves. Most people's praying is like this. But when we get to God's perspective and we can see from God's perspective, from God's character and nature, instead of seeing our little kingdom, we can see what God is trying to accomplish. We can start praying you, you, you prayers. And it shifts everything, everything about praying. Prayer is not about give me or I want or I need. Prayer is about seeing what God is at work doing through our circumstances in the world around us. So we got, first off, take our eyes off of our selfishness, off of ourselves in prayer. And put our focus on the character and nature of the Father and of Jesus Christ. So when it comes to prayer, that very weakness that gets exposed that very dependency that we recognize is the very thing that drives us to prayer. And it becomes an invitation of the Lord to respond with compassion and power. And so when I am weak, He is strong and He teaches me His strength. Not that I can be strong in my weaknesses, but when my strength is recognized by me. And I can't recognize my weakness unless I see myself from His perspective. And so these things begin to work together so that I can draw from His strength, from His joy, from His life, from His love, from His grace, from His mercy, from His forgiveness, from His compassion, from His power. So in the presence of the great physician, our most appropriate contribution is our wounds. He is not pleased when we try to present ourselves perfect before Him. Now listen, it's one thing for you to wear your mask out in the parking lot for everybody to think that your life is right on. It's another thing to try to do that in front of the Father who knows everything about you. We just delude ourselves by trying to pretend. You can convince all of us we're pretty naive. But it's insulting to God for us to present a better view of ourselves to Him than we really are. Because He knows. He knows who we are. At our weakest moment. So what I want to talk about today is that God is not so concerned about what you ask for when you pray. What God is really concerned about is your attitudes when you pray. It is the most important part of prayer. What you ask for in any specific circumstance, what you ask for is never too hard for God to do. There is nothing too hard for God. But the key or the blockage of getting answers from heaven is in our heart. Not God's heart, but prayer actually reveals our heart. Listen, if you have anybody don't 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 raise your hand, okay? But has any of you ever prayed and just felt like the words are just bouncing off the ceiling? You can nod, that'll help me a little bit. Okay. Uh Okay, so when we are praying from our perspective, we're not praying to God, we're praying to ourselves. 
when we only see our selfish circumstances. The Bible talks about praying when we're selfish, we're not heard. We, we don't get our answer to prayer because we pray amiss, we ask amiss. So if we're only praying on I, 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 we're, we're not heard. And so guess what our words do? They bounce off the ceiling. But when we're able to pray from God's perspective, I can see myself in my circumstance, and I'm able to see the sufficiency of God in my circumstance. And so my weakness is actually revealed to me by seeing it from God's majesty instead of from my weakness. Because I tell you, I can get anxious and desperate when I look at my circumstances in my strength. But when I see my storm from His perspective, I can see peace be still. Or at least the possibility of it. But even if God does not do what I think He ought to do, He is crafting me to look more and more like Jesus. That is the goal for the believer. The goal of a Christian is not to live comfortably. The goal of the Christian is to produce Christ-likeness. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Which means that the very thing that God chooses to manifest Himself in the world today is us. But if we're only focused on our little storm, we're going to miss it entirely. You will never be more like Jesus by focusing on your storm. You will only be more like Jesus by seeing your storm from God's perspective and trusting that He will accomplish what He has started. And the result is not that my storm goes away. The result is I am more like Jesus as a result of these circumstances. It changes everything. But it's all about attitudes and motivations. And the Bible says that we should have lots of of specific attitudes. In fact, when you get into, well, the Old Testament too, but many of the New Testament passages on prayer, He not only tells us to pray, but He tells us with what attitude to pray with. And so He tells us that saying words aren't enough. It's what heart we say those words with that are really the important part. And the times where we don't say the right words, but we don't even know our own heart. Have you ever prayed and not even known your own heart? The Holy Spirit takes over from there. We're not going to talk about that today. But attitude is so much more important than your circumstance. So when you focus on your prayer life, don't think about what you need. Think about His character and nature. And your needs will start to grow pretty dim. The Bible says, now this is only true for believers. So if you're not a follower of Christ, if you're not a Christian, your prayers are not heard. The only prayers that would be heard would be a prayer of repentance to give your life to Christ. The Bible talks about regarding iniquity in our heart. If we regard iniquity in our heart, if we're holding on to our sin and we're not a follower of Jesus Christ, we can say we're praying, but the Bible is clear, your prayers aren't heard. And so... The prayer that God hears from an unbeliever is a prayer of repentance. And so once we step into being a believer, He gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that with the Holy Spirit comes the beginnings of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, you know, the, the, the nine, at least nine fruit of the Spirit. So what we need to do, if prayer is so tied to our attitudes, we know that we should be manifesting the fruit of the Spirit when we are in prayer. So our prayer 
actually, we are manifesting the fruit of the Spirit when we go to prayer. That, this is what purifies our prayer. Otherwise, we're selfish. And the fruit of the Spirit isn't selfish. It's selfless. So I go to prayer with the fruit of the Spirit, and my, my prayer is purified. And as my prayer is purified, it actually produces more fruit in my life. I start seeing God at work in lots of other places. And what that does... As that fruit grows, I'm able to take that fruit back to prayer. And that prayer produces more fruit. And that fruit produces more prayer. Do you see a cycle here? Everything that we need in order to accomplish Christ-likeness in us, God gives us. Including our attitudes. When we were lost, before we were Christians, we still had emotions and attitudes. But they were corrupted from the human, from the human nature. From a carnal nature. And so while we still, we are, and I, I use this as an illustration a lot, but we are flesh corrupted. We are now, for those who are Christians, we are spirit alive in Christ. But in the middle, while we are being sanctified, this happens in our mind. And so when we walk in the spirit and we live in the spirit, we're going to produce the emotions of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit. But if I'm going to spend time in the flesh and I'm going to spend time in my selfishness and all that, then guess what I'm going to produce? I'm going to produce the fruit of the flesh. And so the, 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 the goal really of the believer is to spend more time in the Spirit so that my emotions, my attitudes can start looking more and more like the fruit of the Spirit. This helps me in prayer. So the very fact that I have a sinful nature is, is it tells me. So let's just let me let me say it this way: I do not have the capacity to pray apart from the Holy Spirit at work in me. I don't have the capacity. I pray in the Spirit. I pray through the Son. It is the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ that opens the door to the throne room for me. I pray through the Son. That's how I gain access into the Father is through the Son. And I pray to the Father. This is very clear throughout all of Scripture. In the Spirit, through the Son, to the Father. If I don't have the Holy Spirit, the whole prayer mechanism breaks down. So in order for my prayers to be heard... I have to take my carnal attitudes and I have to conform them over into the spiritual fruit. So my responsibility is to take every thought captive, to be transformed by the renewing of my mind day by day, right? Over and over and over, moment by moment by moment. So that I am able to know how to pray to see it from God's perspective. So even the very on-ramp to prayer God gave me when He gave me new life. When He gave me a second birth, He gave me the fruit of the Spirit. And that, that really produces more and more fruit as I spend more and more time in the Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. You can, as a Christian, spend a lot of time in the flesh and not have any fruit and your prayer life not manifest at all. And not grow in Christ-likeness at all. And just keep spiraling, spiraling, spiraling. What a wasted, wasted gift that God has planted inside of us when we allow that to happen.
Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, With thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. That's a really weird economy. In, in our economy, we would say, when somebody does what you want them to do for you, you say, Thank you. Uh, now, thank you. Uh, when when uh, in God's economy, before you ask, you say, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it, in it, in prayer, with an attitude of thanksgiving. There are many examples of thanksgiving being found in prayer. Thanksgiving is not a prayer. Thanksgiving is an attitude of prayer. Many examples of thanksgiving is found in the Psalms. Where we pray is important from God's perspective upstream, for those of you who were here last week. That we pray is very important. It proves dependence and it proves obedience. What we pray is important because it's in those prayers of what where we learn to pray, not my will, but your will be done. Where we see it from the perspective of the Father, just like the Son did in the garden. So, what we pray is important. His will, His kingdom. But our attitudes are so important. You ever had a conversation with somebody and you can tell that they're not listening? Why are, some of you are looking to the person sitting beside you. <laughs> okay, so have, you ever, have, they, have you ever seen that they realize that they kind of blanked out and you start telling what I was saying was da, 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 da. no to tell me da, tell, okay I'll tell you uh, so, so this happened today da, da, da. are you listening now no you're not listening now you know what how many of you ever just said you know what just never mind it's not that big it's not important just forget it no I want to know I really want to know no forget it no tell me I want to know tell me no you don't want to know you to listen right how often does, is that what our prayer life seems like listen we don't even care what we're saying in prayer. We get lost in it, forget we're praying, fall asleep in it. Can you imagine being in a conversation with somebody when the person that's doing the talking is actually so bored that they can't pay attention? Some of you still looking at the person beside you. I'm tapping out of that. Being thankful means you trust Him. Whatever, what, and whatever He does, here, I'm going to be thankful because whatever God does, it's the right thing. I don't know. Listen, if I'm standing in the stream, whatever God does is the right thing. I may not even see what God does if I'm only focused on my circumstance. But if I move upstream and I pray for God to do something, I can thank Him ahead of time. I can thank him way ahead of time because I, I can see what he is going to do is so much bigger than what I'm planning, what I think. I've trusted him. I've complete, I have complete dependence on his ability. It's not a matter of the circumstance. It's a matter of his character and his nature. Let's move on. Prayer isn't just a discipline. And, and I know we, we, we would still call it a spiritual discipline. But how many of you have ever in your prayer life said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to start and I'm going to have a better prayer life and you'll say, I'll either start later today or I'll start tomorrow. How many of you ever said, starting tomorrow, I'm going to have a better prayer life. I'm going to spend more time in prayer. 
How many of you have not done that? Okay, great. Some of you are honest. Uh, okay, so here's, here's some freedom that I want to give you, okay? It's a little bit of a beat up, but it's a little bit of a freedom too. Uh, prayer, if you think of prayer not being a discipline, all right? Prayer is a gift of God to us, not our gift to Him. Okay, that's kind of where we ended last week. But prayer is God's primary way of conforming you into the image of Jesus Christ. So it's your benefit. It's not some favor you're doing to God when you pray. But here's, but here's the most important thing, I think, about prayer. The more like Jesus you are becoming, the more of Jesus you can see and experience, the more prayer is just a byproduct of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's just a byproduct. You don't pray so that you can have a relationship with Jesus. You have a relationship with Jesus, and that's manifested by an act of prayer life. Because I can see Jesus, because I'm focused on Jesus, because I love Him, because I'm in His Word, because I am growing in Him, prayer, you just, you just find yourself praying. And you don't have to make it a matter of tonight at 8 o'clock or in the morning I have to give up 5. It's just the more time you spend with Jesus, the more conversation just becomes natural. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, Let us then with confidence, some translation says boldly, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in need. Now wait, here, this is another kingdom economy kind of stuff here, okay? This is kind of weird. Let us then with boldness, with confidence, let us draw near to the throne of grace. When you think about that, you're talking about the throne room of the Father. I kind of picture coming boldly. It's kind of like not just opening the door, but just kind of, I don't know, just boldly just into the throne of grace, right? But what am I doing there? What what does chapter 4 verse 16 say? That I might find... Mercy and grace. Now, wait a minute. I don't know about somebody walking like this, but the last thing this person wants is mercy and grace, right? So, wait a minute. This person that comes to the throne room is looking for mercy and grace, but they're, but they're boldly confident. That's because I'm not bold and confident in myself. The boldness and the confidence comes that I know who Jesus is. I know when the Father sees me, He sees His Son. When I see me, I go, but I have to remind myself that I am clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I have to remind myself that I am covered completely in Him, that His death is mine, His burial is mine, His resurrection is mine. And that gives me confidence, not in who I am. It gives me confidence in Jesus Christ so I can boldly go into the throne of grace whereby I may ask for mercy and grace because I do remember who I am powerful passage of scripture humility is so important in our prayer peter actually says god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you notice this when you humble yourselves he will lift you up but if you lift yourselves up he will bring you low very important passage of Scripture. 
By trying to be strong, I even block God's power. Listen, this is, this is huge. The Bible doesn't say that God ignores the proud. It said that God opposes the proud. That means that in my pride and my arrogance and my independence and my control and all those things that I'm living, yes, I'm a Christian, but God doesn't just ignore that. He opposes that. Which means that some of the things that you want in the Spirit, God Himself is the one who's standing in the way. You don't need Satan to try to ruin your life. God is going to bring you low. Because He opposes the proud. And let me tell you something. There is nothing more prideful than standing in a circumstance and and making it all about you instead of about His majesty. Remember Jesus, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee was praying loud. Everybody could hear him. You remember, you remember what he prayed? You know, he saw all these... Oh, sorry, sorry guys, I'm going to go over here. This, uh, I don't, he saw all these people and uh, he's like, thank God I'm not like any of those. Lord, thank you for making me so much better than these people. And then you have one of these people, the tax collector, far from God, far from right, beating himself in the chest. And he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that's the prayer that God heard. The one that was so desperate in comparison to the majesty of God. What does it mean to be humble? Well, there are several definitions, but a few of them are, it means to, to get low. To bow yourself down. To be actually, to be embarrassed and ashamed. Meekness. It means to not demanding of God. In other words, not to think that you deserve anything. To be broken. It means to be fragile. To be quiet and to be weak. The most, the most uh, fascinating definition of humility is to distrust yourself. In other words, to have an opinion and to know that's not the right one. I'm going to agree with God. That's, that's humility, is knowing what you think is right, but choosing God instead, even if, even if there's an agreement. To be, to be self-aware, to be God-aware. It also means to be free of pride and arrogance. Why, do we, why does God value humility so much? I think it's because humility is honest. This is honest. We truly are desperately need, needy. Everything that we are, when we were born, how we were born, the race we were born, most of the times the economy that we're born into, the nation that we're born into, the century that we're born into, you had nothing to do with any of that. You can't change the rotation of the earth. You can't add a degree, take a degree away. You have no power, no control whatsoever on the gravitational pull of the earth. None of that. There is a God and we are not it. Humility does not mean that we grovel before God, but it does mean this. It means that we gain a glimpse of our true state. So humility, I think it's important to understand what humility really is. Let me see if I can break this down. Most Christians, most Christians, of course not you, I'm talking about other Christians. Most Christians don't process humility correctly. 
They spend all of their time focusing on all of the negatives about their life. Their worst day, their biggest sin, their biggest problem, how unworthy they are. And before long, they start patting themselves on the back about how humble they can be. And they end up walking their Christian life like, you know, when you hear people say, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace, you know, just give me a cabin in the man, you know, over by the mansion, I'll, you know, dust the streets and, you know, we just feel. Because we focused all in all the negative things about our life and it's self deprecating. It's almost to the point of being weak and abused. We just beat ourselves up all the time and we say, but thank God I'm humble. <laughs> uh, you know, this isn't, this isn't humility. What it is, is it's the essence of pride. You know, you see who I'm talking about the entire time I'm talking? I'm talking about me. Me, 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 me. Whether it's positive or whether it's negative, it's incredibly selfish. Now, I can accomplish almost the same thing in real time by not focusing on me, but focusing on the majesty of Jesus Christ. When I think about how wonderful He is and how awesome He is and the depth of His love and His forgiveness and His mercy, I don't have to focus on me. I just got to focus on how big He is. When I focus how big He is, I will be humble and live in humility. And now it's real humility because I know the truth. But thank God I'm not that. I'm able to walk boldly and humbly at the same time because I know who I am but I'm clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. It's a significant change. So for us as Christians, when we walk around just beating ourselves up and feeling bad and thinking some way or another, this is our, we're, we're being good Christians by being hard on ourselves. We're not. We're actually being arrogant Christians by not trusting the majesty of Jesus Christ instead. See, humility really comes from seeing Him not seeing me. Be anxious for nothing, Paul said in Philippians 4, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, just in case you forgot what attitude you're supposed to have, let your requests be made known to God and, and the peace of God. Peace comes as a byproduct of prayer. Passes all understanding shall keep your hearts. Peace that keeps your heart. Peace that keeps your mind through Christ Jesus comes as a result of prayer. Prayer comes as a result of knowing Him. See, this unconditional trust in God, being anxious for nothing, that comes before prayer. Trusting God comes before prayer. Most of the time we're trying to pray so that we can trust God more. But the truth of the matter is our prayers get better because we trusted God first. We believed Him first. We've exposed our sin to Him first. We're able to walk in full realization of who we are, but knowing. We talked about this Wednesday night in Bible study. There's a whole lot of us who did some things growing up. Or maybe some of your kids have, have done some things. And, and, and there's a broken lamp in the room. Now fill in your problem. But there's a broken lamp in the room. And you walk in and you say to all of your kids, who broke the lamp? And what's the answer? Not me. Here's why it's always not me. Some of you aren't parents yet. Let me give you a little bit of parenting advice. Here's why it's not me. Here's why I don't own up to it. Because I'm, sure, I'm not sure what the punishment's going to be. Right? Not sure if I'm going to get busted or just corrected. 
I don't know if I'm going to lose my phone for a month or if that's going to come out of my allowance. I don't know. So here's where I'm going to start negotiating. Not me. <laughs> now what? Now, now who, who gets to go next, right? But when it, comes, so when it comes to our lives, our everyday lives, our thoughts, our, our attitudes, and all of those things that we know don't please God, we're a little bit worried about when we confess those things to God, how's God going to respond to those? Is He going to be mad? Is He going to throw lightning bolts at me? Is He going to, is he going to burn my house down? Is He going to expose me to everybody in the community? I mean, what's God going to do? So, you know what? Rather than actually have the conversation with God, I think I'll just keep all those secrets in my pocket. But you need to remember something about God. There is not even a thought that's in private with Him. Not even a thought. So whatever you think that you're keeping from Him... You're not, and that manifests as pride for you. For you, you're trying to protect yourself from God. He takes it as mistrust. Now, let me just break that down. There are folks who believe that they've committed sin that God couldn't possibly forgive. And I would just say to you, before you committed those sins, God already knew that you would commit those sins. He already sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. Jesus already said yes to that. Jesus already suffered for that. Jesus already, the sin debt was satisfied as is proof of the resurrection. So whatever sin, every sin you could even dream up has already been forgiven in Jesus Christ. And it's into that life, your life, your darkest day, it's that moment that God the Father welcomes you into prayer. With that on your back, He invites you to come boldly into the throne room. And we already know how He responds. Is He going to be mad? Is He going to be angry? Just look at the cross. That's how He responds. That's yours. So why not just go ahead and give it away? Micah chapter 6, verse 8. What does the Lord require of thee? To walk humbly with God, right? Matthew 18, 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 23, 12. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, that he that humbles himself will be exalted. Colossians 3, 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, younger men, submit yourselves to the older. All of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. It will be the hardest thing you've ever done. Because you do not, we do not realize how often we think about ourselves. And how little we honestly think about Him. I'm telling you, if you would think about Him more often, you'll find prayer much easier. You'll also be able to see your circumstances completely different. You'll be able to focus other people in your lives to different circumstances and different perspectives as well. Here's the, if you take notes, <clears throat> here's a couple of things. It's, I call, we'll call it the humble test. Okay? Here's how you know if you're humble. 
seems a little bit weird, doesn't it? Here's how I know if I'm humble. My dad used to say, you should read my book, Humility and How I Achieved It. <laughs> it's so good. He's just kidding, by the way. Number one, the, I guess the, the biggest one is uh, that when you're humble, you won't know that you are. You, you won't know that you're humble. You won't think you're humble. Second one is you'll love this book. Uh, you'll see your prayer life. It's funny how when you talk to God, it's called prayer. When God calls back, it's called schizophrenia. <laughs> uh, right? It's one of my favorite jokes. I love that joke. When God talk, talks back, it's right here. This is the foundation of His Word to us. You won't, you won't argue with God anymore if you're humble. You won't argue with Him anymore. Whatever He says that you should do, you'll, you'll find ways to do it. Fourth one is uh, you'll accept correction. Number five, you'll accept the will of God no matter where it's taking you. Just like Jesus did, by the way. That was his humility that took him to the cross. Well, the sixth one is hard. <clears throat> you, just, you just choose uh, in humility. You just choose because you've been so focused on him instead of yourself. You just accept that God is good. And you stop complaining and whining and gossiping and griping about everything and everyone. Number seven, you'll start to love unlovable people. Your friend groups will get larger. They don't necessarily close off, but your friend groups will get larger and you'll start having people in your life that's not like you. People that don't think like you. They don't live like you. They weren't brought up like you. You'll start finding you're your spending your time with people that Jesus would have spent his time with. One of the hardest ones, number eight, is you're able to instantly forgive anyone. Anytime somebody does something to you, they don't even have to say, I'm sorry. But if you're offended, quick to forgive. Keep short lists. Because they're not insulting you. You're reflecting Christ. Quit taking everything so personally. Number nine. Your heart will become more tender and you'll allow it to be hurt again. Not hard and calloused. I'll give you 10 just because I need a round number. <clears throat> yeah, uh, you won't think about yourself at all. Or at least very little. Attitudes matter so much in prayer. And I would say this too, uh, if you're not careful, so in Christ, in, with the Spirit indwelling us, we have the manifestation of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And if you wait until the moment when you need the fruit of the Spirit to be able to pray, so for instance, if you're grumbling and you're complaining and you're whining and you're gossiping and blah, you know, you're one of those people that you don't like to see coming. <clears throat> When you're living that way and then you, something happens in your life and you need to pray, how hard is it <clears throat> to summon up thanksgiving? Right? It's really hard. It's hard to do that. Or whenever you are 
arrogant and bold and proud and telling everybody how great you are, even if it's just up here, whenever something devastating happens in your life, how hard is it to manifest humility? Or if you live above the law all the time and you know, you're not going to be under anybody's authority, how hard is it when you have to do that to bring yourself? It's so difficult. And most people can't do it. So we just pray words. So my advice to us is, is if we would live in the fruit of the Spirit, manifesting the fruit of the Spirit at all times, revealing Jesus at all times, when it comes time to, to, time to pray with all thanksgiving, we're already living lives of thanksgiving and gratitude. When it comes time for us to, to pray on behalf of somebody else, we're already living lives of humility. When it comes time to say thank you to the Lord, we're already living lives of joy. This is why it is so important to follow Paul's advice when he says pray without ceasing because it takes me about two seconds to, to, have, to be living in the fruit of the Spirit and then to take my eyes off of the presence of God and I put my eyes right back on my circumstance and I start producing the fruit of the flesh. I mean, about two seconds is how long it takes. But if I can keep my eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of my faith, then I will be able to commune with Him. But remember, as I commune with Him, my prayers are purified. And as my prayer is purified, I'm seeing fruit manifested in my life. And as the fruit is manifested, my prayer life is enhanced. And these things continue to be perpetual. So we should be living in a state of prayer. Daniel, before he was able, well, I don't think he read it. Maybe he has by now. But when Daniel, in the Old Testament, prayed three times a day. You remember? I don't know, 24 hours in a day? Every eight hours? Broke the day up? I don't know. I don't, the Bible doesn't tell us how he did that. But I would imagine he would start feeling different fruit in his life. And I, I need to go back and recalibrate So I would just encourage us, if we are waiting for the moment to pray, our words are probably going to bounce off the ceiling. We're not going to feel like a productive prayer life. We're going to say the right things, but our hearts isn't right. And listen, God doesn't look on the outside. He looks at the heart. The heart is the most important part of prayer, not the words. So we need to guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it come the issues of life. And I can see the issues of life here, or I can see the issues of life here. Here, I'm going to worry about my comfort and my ease. Here, I'm going to worry about God's kingdom being manifest on the earth. So I want to encourage you this morning. Prayer is a gift from God to us to look more and more like Jesus. But you've got to be with Jesus. You've got to be with Him. And that may take more than the two or three minutes in a drive to work when we very quickly pray because that's the only time we have. It may look out like carving out some time and then taking that time and applying that time into our everyday life and actually having conversations about what Jesus is doing and reminding people of how great He is and keeping our attention on Him and guarding our hearts. Jesus said this. He said that we, uh, 
when we pray that God already knows what we're going to pray for. So why would I, so why would I pray then? Why would I pray? Uh, I don't think Jesus is saying that we're begging God to care for the things we care for. I don't think that's what... Je- Jesus' life didn't, didn't bear that out. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't possibly mean that it's unnecessary because Jesus prayed so often. I think what Jesus is saying is, is when you pray, the Father already cares, already knows what you're going to pray. I think what he is saying is, is that when you pray, you don't have to beg God to care. He, he cared long before you even brought it to him in prayer. He cared long before you did. The, the, the best thing about prayer is when we are sitting from his perspective, looking at our life from his perspective, when we are finally able to engage in that prayer, he has been waiting all along for us to care like he already has cared. He's waiting for our care to merge with his. And that's where we can really be used for his glory. So pray without ceasing. Keep it a habit of prayer. Make sure your heart is staying engaged, looking at the Father. Through the Son, in the Spirit. And your prayer life will go to a whole other place. You won't be praying here anymore. You'll be praying here. And it'll change everything. Let's pray together now. Lord, we do love you and we thank you for your word, how powerful it is in our life. But Lord, we thank you that not only do you communicate to us, but you've opened the line of communication from us to you. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to take what we have heard and seen today about our attitudes because we know that they are they're sinful. They're perverted. They're twisted. But Lord, I pray that as we recognize that, that we don't give ourselves a pass and just go through the habits, the repetitious prayers that we pray, but that our hearts, Lord, would align with your heart. And rather than praying selfishly, we'd be able to pray kingdom. So I pray that you would remind us today of how loved we are. I pray that you would remind us of how forgiven we are. pray, Lord, you would remind us of the purpose that you have placed within us. And help us to walk in that, not because we are good enough, but because we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And as we are reminded of his righteousness, it is the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. And so, Lord, help us. Help us. We are desperate for your help. We declare our dependence completely upon you. So have your way with us in our circumstances. Just help us to be more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, if if you've never truly given your life to him, I'm not saying you don't believe in him. I'm saying you don't trust him. If you're not walking in that, I beg you today, why don't you just 
just nail that down today and say, Lord, whatever you want for me, that's what I want. I'm going to quit running. I'm going to quit living in my little circle, my little selfish life, trying to keep afloat. I'm just going to release my life to yours because I, obviously God cares more about your life than you do. His reputation is on the line in your life. He placed His reputation in you. You're only responsible for your own. And that don't go too well. So why don't you trust Him today? Place your hand in His. Or maybe there's something going on in your life where you need to just be able to, to give it to Him and ask Him to have His way in it. You'll be satisfied with whatever He does, but just allow Him to make you more like Jesus. Maybe you want to make that you know, make that step today to, to give that over to the Lord entirely. Whatever the Holy Spirit's leading you to do today, feel the freedom to do that. Make sure that you do that. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.